Hello and welcome to the BMJ Leader podcast. My name is Dr. James Mountford. I'm Editor-in-Chief of BMJ Leader, as well as Director of Quality at the Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust. So each edition of the journal is accompanied by a brief podcast where we invite leaders from across health and care to comment and give their views on material in the journal and major topics around leadership in health and care. So in this episode, we're talking to Lord Victor Adebowale about system leadership in health and in care. Victor, it's great to see you. Could you introduce yourself? Hi, James. How are you doing? Well, I'm Victor Adebowale. Um, I'm also a crossbench member of the House of Lords, but don't hold that against me. And I'm the departing Chief Executive Turning Point, which is a social enterprise that provides services to people with mental health uh, challenges, learning disabilities and substance misuse and all points in between. Um, I'll be leaving actually on the 31st of March to do some of the other things, um, not least um, the chair of the NHS Confederation, which is the body that represents um, uh, commissioners and providers of health care, um, health and social care in, in this country. So th- both of those are great platforms to think about our topic of system leadership. Mm. To that, what do you think system leadership really is? Well, I'm quite a fan of the Peter Senge uh, version uh, when he's, uh, he wrote a paper on the birth of system leadership. And I, I guess it's the, the attempt to lead a system, i.e. a complex group of organisations, individuals or issues beyond the your own personal or organisational boundaries in the interests of change across that system, uh, rather than just your organisation or you as an individual. Although it does start with you as an individual, uh, oddly enough. It is about who you are as much as it is uh, what the system is. Okay. Um, so you, you mentioned the difference between system and organisational mm. leadership. So could you expand on what you think well, the essence of those it, it, differences is? It is, is? interesting, isn't it? The essence of organisational leadership, in my mind, I always define leadership as different from management in that, um, and there's a, the debates around this, but my view is that leadership involves the investment in emotions, in the outcome, um, as opposed to management, which is generally, and I'm not saying that one's less important than the other, I'm just saying that management is the allocation of resource, the most important being time, um, in the interest of completing a project or the delivery of a service. I think leadership does involve an emotional investment in the outcome, and that's why it's kind of harder to define and why computers aren't very good at leadership. So I think system leadership is, is, is really taking that on board on behalf of a system, behalf of a collection and or group, and I think it's really hard to do. It's about being leaderful rather than being the leader, if you see what I mean. It's about asking questions of the system, but actually asking questions of yourself. So a good one, actually, would be... Um, to think about race and race equality. You know, the good example of system leadership is where you have a leader who sees and this is that um, equality, race equality, is a major problem across the system. You know, it's, let's say an ICS forever. Mm. The, the system leadership approach would be to first think about, well, what do I know about this? What is my attitude to race? Where are my weak spots? And to learn and understand that on behalf of the system i.e. how am I, how, how do I engage with this, and then ask questions of the system and, in a sense, behave those questions. Now, the Peter Senge um, approach would be to then uh, seek another, 
you know, you don't need lots of people to start a system leadership who who agrees or has your point of view or, or understands the question that you're asking and then attempt to answer that question on behalf of the system. And it's not necessarily about getting the answer, but going on the journey towards an answer. Right. And as you see outcomes from asking that question have positive impact on the system, and you know, in terms of increasing consciousness of the question as a challenge, people joining you. Right, because you're doing something positive, and that's how you grow the change. So it's a bit like uh, I don't know the Mandelbrot diagram. You know, the sort of <laughs> start with the smallest pattern and grow it out, yeah. basically. But it's an active process. Okay, uh, and I think race is a good a good example yeah. where system leadership's re- often required. It's a lovely example, and also allows me to reference back uh, mm. to a podcast from the last issue with Roger Klein about oh, right. the issue yes, of yes, race and equality well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the leadership in, in the NHS specifically. Mm. So, so building on that, Victor, what skills and attitudes would you say a system leader needs and, and what makes mm. someone great as a system well, leader? I think you have to have leadership in mind. In other words, you have to be self-aware. You have to be capable of asking sometimes awkward questions, um, challenge. You have to be uh, analytical enough to recognise the worth of the problem. Now, um, the NHS, in my experience, sometimes as a sort of if what gets measured gets managed. Often, the important things can't be measured, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so. It, but it's important that that the system leader is aware of those things having value and being able to ask questions. I think it's a values-driven process. Um, as much as anything else, you know, the values of the leader. And you have to understand the notion that a fish rots from the head, i.e. Um, there's a tendency for organisations and systems to be a fractal of the leader and the leadership. And it, the horrifying realisation that you are responsible for the culture right. is quite the reason why you get paid more than a lot of other people um, often. So I think you require, you know analytical skills I guess to a degree or the skill to know where they are you need to understand human relationships you need to understand how systems work and how organizations work and how large organizations work I suppose it requires a high degree of humility and um, another thing which is in short supply which is charm Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that as a kind of oily religious sort of false but but the sense of understanding wanting to know people And, and put yourself in their shoes and be, to some degree, in the work. And I think it has to be linked to the outcome. And I note this, and I'm sure that others made well, that sometimes in healthcare, the process isn't linked to any intention. You know, it's like there's lots of process, but the, we ask the question, why are we doing this? What's the intention behind the process? There's a kind of embarrassed mm. silence, and then people get processed, you know, carry on anyway because somebody's getting paid for it or there's a requirement for somebody to produce it. And I think system leadership does ask the question often, what's the intention here? Okay. Does this process Can you give us intention? an example of that? One of the examples, actually, I can think of is the whole question of public patient engagement mm-hmm. and how we measure it because um, it's, it's something I'm I'm fascinated by. And, of course... There's two ways of doing it, I guess. That's probably more than two ways. But one way is to produce a set of forms so that people fill in. Now, if you, how many people have you engaged with this? Da, 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 which would be create lots of process and measures. But the other way of doing it would be to ask the question, so what's the intention of this? What does good look like in terms of that? And work backwards from there. So how do we know? Yep. <laughs> and how do, how, what is helpful to you in doing patient and public engagement? Yeah. In, in, in knowing how you're doing it, if you see what I mean, as opposed to 
uh, well, we've got to do patient public engagement now, so here's a load of forms that yeah. tell us whether you're doing it or not. That's a great example. <laughs> so so right. as we start this new decade and we think about <clears throat> the NHS plan and all of the changes around integrated care, place-based care mm. and the like, it, it, it's, it feels pretty clear why system leadership is such a high-profile topic and, mm. and why we need it. Mm. And perhaps it is going more with the policy uh, direction. Yes. Um, but do you see there being some significant barriers in the system There are. Today? One of them is what I call the fashion barrier. And the fashion barrier involves words becoming fashionable, but not the meaning or the word right. necessary to <laughs> understand what they actually mean. So I've noticed that system leadership's become very fashionable. And I've noticed that the NHS sometimes produces an, a new nomenclature instead of doing the work. And the problem right. with system leadership is that it's quite hard to observe. The Western view of leadership is often quite active. It's what I call the lead guitar version. Mm-hmm. There's somebody at the front frankly, usually a white guy, just you know, just saying, um, who's playing lead guitar loudly and everyone's got to, and if you want to get action done, you play the guitar louder and people, <laughs> I think that analogy's gone as far as it's going to go. But, but the idea is that people want to see something. And actually, I think system leadership's far more subtle. It takes more time. Well, not necessarily does take time because it, it depends on, it is contextual, but you have to understand the context in which you're applying it. Right. So the stakes are pretty high. I think so, because the risk involved is the system leadership is as much about learning as about outcome. It's like, what have we learned in this process as as much? And that's quite hard because people expect a causal relationship. It's like, I shout at you, you get it done, end of. Well, yes. That's only one aspect of a form of leadership which may be appropriate in some circumstances, but actually system leadership is actually quite rare yes. <laughs> that it's going to work in that, that context. That, that, that's, that's nicely put, Victor. So so what what do you see that's giving you encouragement? What's going right in the system at the moment? Um, well, I mean, having said that it could become a buzzword, um, a meaningless buzzword, the fact that we're having this conversation is, is useful, I think, because it's an indication that there is a debate about what it means and how it's applied and, you know, it's useful. I was in Brighton the other day with a, a, a small, actually, organisation called HERE. They're a kind of system integrator primary care service, actually, but they're brilliant and they do understand system leadership and they're making system changes from the position of their relatively small organisation, mm. but it's having an impact in reducing demand in that in that patch. And I look at those and I think, you know what, that is... That is brilliant, you right. know. And I, I, before we came on the podcast, I was talking about an organisation called Collaborate, which uses system leadership as its main theory of intervention. And and Collaborate, and I should declare my interest. I set it up, but but Collaborate is working in places um, uh, up and down the country where system leadership is being applied and is changing service design and the way people look at public services. So, you know. All three of us in this room, including our wonderful producer, are far too lucky to be pessimistic in any circumstance. You yeah. Know, it's like, what, what are we doing if we're not going to be optimistic? The people that need to be pessimistic, people that deserve to be pessimistic are the people that are on the sharp end of the inverse care law. <laughs> yeah, no, but absolutely. So as we uh, move towards the end of our podcast here, what, what more would you like to see done to encourage and develop UK system leaders mm. and, and who should be doing it? Well, I think it is a challenge for everyone, really, certainly in the leadership of the health system. 
um, the NHS and National Health Service is now a national health system. And I, and, I, and I mean that because if we are going to spend the government's money better, well, not the government's money, our money, actually, it's not the government's money, taxpayers' money, yeah. better, if we're going to deliver the 10-year plan, then it's not just about the NHS as such. It's about the NHS in the context of virtually every other public policy, so housing, transport, and it's about place. Yeah, and place is susceptible to system leadership so I think it's about learning so where it's being done people talk about the Wigan deal for instance which is a good example of system leadership where in order to um, save money um, rather than just cutting they looked at intention they looked at purpose they looked at relationships yeah. not least the relationship between the citizen and the services and redesigned everything from the ground up and that was led by a, system, a classic system mm. leader so there's learning to be done so i think we need to learn we need fast patience in other words we need to be impatient about the current situation but patient in asking the right questions of the right people and i think we also need to encourage curiosity rather than fast answers uh, because often those fast answers just breed further problems. The health system is a is a is a classic wicked problem. Yeah. Um, and wicked problems are best a, a, a learning. They're learning cycle. They're iterative. Um, so all those things are necessary. In short, I think we've got to think long and learn short. <laughs> Fast patience, as you said. Yeah. Um, I love that phrase, which is which is new to me. So so just last up, uh, Victor. Imagine that. Uh, our listeners, many of them will be people at quite a formative stage in their career. They might be, uh, you know, a newly appointed consultant, for mm. example. Um, what what advice would you give them Crikey. in this regard? Golly, if you're smarter than me, be a banker. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think ask questions. You know, ask questions of yourself in the first instance. Gather evidence and ask questions of others such that they might join you in finding answers. Yeah. Make the answers important because they probably are. Be brave because if you're not brave, given the power that you've got, the knowledge that you have, don't expect anybody else to be <laughs> because, you know, you were in a privileged position having been born with the brains that give you the privilege of being a consultant. Yeah. And I think focus on the outcome, not just the output, um, which involves the quality of the... And I guess if I'm... I don't think I am wrong that the three challenges are, are about, you know, access, which is as much about, you know, commissioning and and, and uh, workforce and um, service design, um, equity, which isn't the same as equality, but, you know, if you're not asked those questions and, and technology, so it's like if you're not really concerned about those things and how they impact on you and how you impact on them, then you you're not a system leader, if you see what I mean. That's it for this episode. Many, many thanks to my guest, Victor Adebowale, for his thoughts. And a reminder that this podcast accompanies the online journal BMJ Leader. And you can find the journal at bmjleader.bmj.com. See you next time. Music.